Okay, I will get into our lesson. We live in a world of imposters, fakes, and phonies. At times we're bombarded with phone calls that tell us spam likely. You ever get those? Someone wanting to deceive us, fake us out. Tell us about a deal that's too good to be true. Or the used car salesman who talks so fast we can't follow him or her when we keep asking how much is it and all they say, how much can you afford a month? We'll work with you. <laughs> you know how the U.S. Treasury can tell the counterfeit bills from the authentic ones? They study the authentic paper bills to the greatest detail. So when they see a counterfeit, it stands out right away. In discerning genuine gold from fool's gold, one test is with real gold, you can cut it with a sharp pocket knife while you can't cut fool's gold. That's just another way to tell if you run across some gold. <laughs> well, the New Testament challenges believers to examine themselves and make certain their faith is genuine. It begins with John the Baptist in Matthew 3, 7, where we read, but when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming for baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Therefore, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. Jesus warned in Matthew 7:21, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he does the will of the Father, who is in heaven, will enter. Many will say to me of that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and in your name cast out demons, and in your name perform many miracles? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. We're told repeatedly to not be deceived about the genuineness of our salvation. 2 Corinthians 13.5 Test yourselves to see if you are in the faith. Examine yourselves. 1 Corinthians 11.28 In regards to communion, but a man must examine himself, and in so doing he is to eat of the bread and drink of the cup. We need to look at the mirror of God's Word as we're reminded in James 1.22 But prove yourselves doers of the Word and not merely hearers who delude themselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he's immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. But one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer. This man will be blessed in what he does. Well, this morning we're going to look at a passage that gives us five distinctive marks of a genuine believer. So please join me in Philippians chapter 3. We're going to just look at the first three verses. And here we find five clear marks of a genuine believer. And while we're looking at these five marks, it's always easy to say, well, so-and-so should look at that, or that person over there needs to take a look. We need to look at ourselves as well. Philippians 3, 1 to 3. The five marks of a genuine believer. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. 
To write the same things again is no trouble to me, and it is a safeguard for you. Beware of the dogs, beware of the evil workers, beware of the false circumcision. For we are true circumcision, who worship in the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus, and put no confidence in the flesh. Let's pause for prayer. Father God, we thank you today for all those who are here today and faith builders. We're thankful for the time of prayer we were able to have. We pray for the SOS team right now that uh, you will bless them, watch over them today and as they come back in the middle of the week. Father, just pray there'll be an encouragement to those brothers and sisters that are over there in Benin and the, the other neighboring countries. Pray for Pastor Steve. Uh, pray your wisdom for those surgeons, for those who they'll be consulting with in the next few days, next week. Lord, just pray that you will give them wisdom, give them peace. Be with Steve and Michelle. And Lord, we just thankful for the, the praise of your healing in our brother. We're thankful for that news, Lord. We know someday we're all going to be healed. We'll be in heaven with you. We'll have bodies like Jesus. We'll be praising your name. And we praise you today for this day. And be with us as we look at your word, Lord, to look at our own lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, the first mark of a genuine believer is a genuine believer rejoices in the Lord. It begins, finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. Finally, that word doesn't mean a conclusion now, but furthermore, or now then, it's, it's a transition, not a conclusion. Joy is a very important theme in the book of Philippians. It's used nine other times in this book. Rejoice in the Lord. A genuine believer's rejoicing is connected to that relationship that we have in the Lord. Only in the Lord, in that personal relationship, can we find true joy. Not happiness, which is an emotion associated with certain events, but associated with our relationship with Jesus Christ. Paul repeats this twice in chapter 4, verse 4, where it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Do you think it's important? Definitely being emphasized. We need to take note of that. We should be rejoicing every morning we wake up that the Lord Jesus has saved us. John MacArthur shares, Biblical joy produces a deep confidence in the future that is based on trust in God's purpose and power. That Paul commands it shows that rejoicing is an act of the will in choosing to obey God. The result is a supernaturally produced emotion, the fruit of walking in the Spirit. We can't please God on ourselves, but through the Holy Spirit, who is God as well, we can. And that's why we have the fruit of the Spirit. As I was thinking of joy, I was reminded of the example of Enoch. Back in Genesis chapter 5, beginning of verse 22, it says, Enoch walked with God 300 years after he became the father of Methuselah. And how long did he live? 969 years. 
And it says he had other sons and daughters. So all the days of Enoch were 365. And then it says, Enoch walked with God and was not for God took him. Wow, what a ushering into heaven to be with the Lord. Walking with God every day and one day he took a little bigger step and he was with the Lord. That's what we need to be doing. We need to have joy every day. We need to be rejoicing. And others around us who don't know the Lord should see it in our lives. The question as we go through these marks of a genuine believer, am I rejoicing in the Lord? Do I thank Him every day? When a crisis comes up, do we have a melody in our hearts? Because our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ is how long? Forever. For eternity. Do we sing as led by Pastor Joel a few weeks ago? And I have tears in my eyes every time we sing it. He will hold me fast. When I fear my faith will fail, Christ will hold me fast. When the tempter would prevail, He will hold me fast. I could never keep my hold, we try, through life's fearful path, for my love is often cold, He must hold me fast. He will hold me fast, He will hold me fast, for my Savior loves me so, He will hold me fast. God doesn't let go. No matter what comes in our lives, He's there with us. He's in our hearts, He's in our life. He's working His perfect plan for us. Do we have to understand, does God have to give an account to us? No. When we're in His hands, we need to let go and let God work in our lives. Not say, Lord, I don't understand it, so I won't do it. We need to trust Him that God knows what He's doing. So the first mark of a genuine believer, we're rejoicing in the Lord. The second mark of a genuine believer continues as we complete verse 1. To write the same things again is no trouble to me and it's a safeguard for you. Paul wants us to rejoice in the Lord but also he wants us to practice discernment. He wants to re-remind us as a safeguard not only to those in Philippi but to us as well to be discerning as he wrote earlier in chapter 1, verse 27, only conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ so that whether I come and see you or remain absent, I will hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. How important is the gospel today? Are there fakes around? Are there imposters? All around us. But we have the truth. And the truth is that relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. That eternal salvation that we have through Him. And why does Paul say it's no bother to remind Him? How many times do we need reminders? I know as I neared retirement, I got involved with using a lot of sticky notes. Anybody else do that? Those little yellow tags. And I remember toward the end, so I wouldn't forget, somebody tell me something, I put a sticky note up. Pretty soon the whole wall was full of sticky notes. But to remind me so I don't forget. 
Because humanly, I know I have trouble with forgetting. Maybe none of you have that trouble, but I do. And Paul's saying, it's no problem here. I need to share this with you as a safeguard because there's the false teachings all around us. Beware is used three times in verse 2 as we reread. Beware of the dogs. Beware of the evil workers. Beware of the false circumcision. Do you think we need to be on the lookout? Absolutely. We need to be vigilant. We need to be alert. And it talks about in verse 2, they're described three ways of the false teachers. First, as dogs. The word here, it's not talking of a sweet little dog you hold and cuddle and it listens to you and tell it to sit and it sits. No. The, dog, the word dog here speaks of wild scavengers that plagued the cities of Paul's day. They fed on garbage and were known to attack people at times. The Jews in biblical times called Gentiles dogs. Ironically, Paul, a Jew himself, called the Jewish false teachers dogs. Great picture for us by commentator Warren Worsby who shares Judaizers are false Jewish teachers snapped at Paul's heels and followed him from place to place barking their false doctrines. Can you picture that? Over there, following Paul, barking, snapping at his heels. As soon as Paul said something, they would say something else, trying to mislead people. A second way false teachers are described as evil workers. Eternally and externally, they think they are pleasing God, but all those works without being saved are worthless. Paul shares these thoughts in chapter 3, verses 7 and 8, a little further down. But whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish so that I may gain Christ. He needs to be number one in our lives. He needs to be at the forefront. When we have something going on in our lives, we say, Lord, what do you want me to do? What's going to bring honor to you, Lord? Not get me out of a jam, but Lord, walk with me through it and help me to learn the lesson that we need to learn. One song we sing in Awana and Sparks talks about fruit of the Spirit and it talks about you can't be a watermelon you can't be a banana. And it goes through all the fruit of the Spirit. And as I'm thinking of the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, I always get stuck on that fourth one. And what's that? Oh, patience. Boy, we don't want to talk about that because we're always in a hurry, aren't we? Why? Why are we in a hurry? If God's working out His plan in our lives, do we say, God, hurry it up? Patience? Is that easy? Not at all. Because as soon as we think things are going smooth, we've got to come around that corner, don't we? And we might have something that's going to level us at that moment, but God's going to keep hold of us. He's not going to let go. Evil workers are all around us. No work we can do in our own strength can match Christ's righteousness. All of us have sinned. 
and come short of the glory of God. We can't make it on our own. One commentator shares, the best that the unsaved can do, and follow this, the best that the unsaved can do is bad good. They can do bad bad or bad good, but only true believers can do good good. Good works motivated to the glory of God. A third way false teachers are described is false circumcision. The Judaizers prided themselves as God's chosen people and a physical sign was circumcision. Now, even though they were physically circumcised, they were not spiritually cleansed. No spiritual change. False teachers like these Judaizers prided themselves that they were circumcised physically, however, not spiritually. Romans 2, 28 and 29 speak of this. For he is not a Jew who is one outwardly, nor a circumcision that which is outward in the flesh. But he is a Jew who is one inwardly, and circumcision is that which, if by the heart, by the spirit, not by the letter, and his praise is not from men, but from God. Whose final approval do we need to get into heaven? God. And what does He accept? God the Father, does He accept everything we've accumulated? We say, Lord, God, I, I went into heaven, here's my big U-Haul. I brought it all along. What did we read about earlier? Not all those who say they're doing this or that in God's name. The Lord says, I don't know you. Every day we have a relationship with the Lord that He's put us here on this earth for a reason. There's never a day where we don't have a purpose on this earth as long as He has us here. And who knows the day that He'll call us into heaven? Do we? Are we to be ready? In the meantime, while we're still on this earth, we're to be ready with something else. And that's what? A defense, an answer for what we believe. When somebody looks at us and says, I see a difference in your life, you say, oh, thank you, and walk away. <laughs> what is that difference? How can we share that? Do we need to share it? That person could walk around the corner and be hit by a bus, and they'll be in eternity, in hell. And we had those opportunities. Sometimes, at the end of the day, I, I think about, I should have said something, but you know, it's all God's timing. We talk about that. When God brings somebody across our path and they're searching and we have the answer, do we say, oh, we'll have a good day and walk away? Or do we share the truth, the gospel? Do we know when God's timing is? How many have ever experienced that? Knowing God's timing in a situation. So we've seen two marks of a genuine believer. Rejoices in the Lord and is discerning of false teachers. Now the third mark of a genuine believer, we look at first part of verse 3, is that a genuine believer worships in the Spirit. Verse 3, For we are the true circumcision who worship the Lord in the Spirit. Our heart should overflow with a heart of worship to God. Do we bubble over at coming to Lakeside to worship together? Do we want to please God with our daily lives? 
If we're truly a believer, the Holy Spirit within us will prompt us to worship God. As we examine our personal lives, do we spend time every day in His Word? Do we pray to God first giving thanks and then bringing our needs to Him? Do we want to serve the Lord? Getting involved in ministering to other believers. Do we need each other as believers? Do we? Every day? Even if we don't personally like everything they do? We need each other because we're a family. God has brought us together. Do we sing, whether on key or not, focusing on the Lord and Savior? Or do we just mouth the words? Do we show evidence on the outside of what's on the inside? Worship means to render respectful spiritual service, living a life of obedience to God. It's our entire lives, not just on Sundays. God's Word tells us to examine ourselves, examine our hearts, because the worship here it's talking about is supernatural. Why? Because it's energized by the Holy Spirit. Do we praise God from whom all blessings flow? Are we on the Lord's side? Do we have blessed assurance Jesus is mine? Guidelines from pastor and commentator Charles Swindoll, he shares this. Consider this when it comes to worship. Draw near and listen well because God is communicating. Be quiet and stay calm because God hears the inaudible and sees the invisible. Make a commitment and keep it because God doesn't forget. And don't decide now and deny later because God doesn't ignore decisions. So far, the marks of a genuine believer are rejoicing in the Lord, discerning the false teachings around us, worshiping the Spirit of God, and now we come to our fourth mark. As we continue in verse 3, we glory in Christ Jesus. Verse 3 again, For we are the true circumcision who worship in the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus. Is our boasting about who we are or what we've done are in the Lord Jesus Christ. All the credit belongs to Him. A genuine Christian wants everyone to appreciate what Christ has done. Namely, Jesus died on the cross for our sins, paid our payment for sin, and He draws us, saves us, and keeps us as adopted sons and daughters of Christ. Can we praise Him enough for that? An example God brought to mind is a prophet Elijah and his encounter with Naaman in 2 Kings 5. Naaman comes to be healed of leprosy and he comes up to Elijah with a boatload of stuff. Gold, silver, clothing, you name it. And he comes to Elijah and Elijah goes out there and he says, look at me, I've got on my pretty robe and I'm a great prophet. What does he do? He sends his assistant over there to Naaman and he goes to the end of the road and his assistant Gehazi, he tells him, my master has said, you go and wash in the 
nice, beautiful Jordan River. Now, that was a dirty river. You go wash in there how many times? Seven times, and you will be cleansed. And, of course, Naaman, he's not real happy about that, is he? He says, oh, man, where's this prophet? He didn't come out in his robes. He didn't wave something over me. Nothing. He sends as an assistant. And then that little girl and his advisors with Naaman say, well, why not give it a try? <laughs> You're full of leprosy. Go try it. And so he goes to the Jordan River. And he goes down the first time and he's still a leper. And he comes up a second time. And five, six. And then he gets to number seven. What happens? He goes down and he's perfectly healed of the leprosy. And so he goes back to Elijah's house. And he says, I, I want to give you something. I want to give you all of this. And Elijah says, yeah, just put it in the barn back here. I'll, I'll get to it later. What does he do? He refuses it. Why? Because he wants to give the glory to who? God did this. I want you to remember that name. God's the one who heals you, not me. God told me what to tell you, how it would happen. But trust in God, not in my power. And so I think that's a good lesson for us. When, when God works, we give the glory to Him. And I'll say, well... I kind of helped the Lord out a little bit. He, he needed a little help. I kind of nudged it and it happened. We get no credit. It all belongs to Him. So how are we living our lives? Do we give the credit to the Lord? Do we say, Lord, I want to do something for You. I want to live for You. I want to show the world You make a difference. It's not in my own power. It's only through You. So we've seen four marks of a genuine believer. Rejoicing in the Lord, being discerning of false teachings, worshiping in the Spirit, glorying in Christ Jesus. We come to the fifth and final mark that's shared in the rest of verse 3. Put no confidence in the flesh. How much? None. Wow. Does that sound like a worldly view we see on the TV or we hear from all these false teachers around us? No. We don't put anything in. You know really what's that saying? No confidence in the flesh? In other words, humility. Not prideful. Humility. Flesh is a picture of the human ability apart from God. John 6.63 tells us, It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. Paul, like us, should have no confidence in our human abilities to please God because we can't. Let God be God. It is He who works through us and in us. The Holy Spirit is making us more and more like what? Like who? Like Jesus Christ. Not our own efforts. Commentator John MacArthur shares, Genuine Repentance involves sorrow over the evil of sinful deeds. False repentance only sorrow over their harmful consequences. False repentance concerns itself with conduct. True repentance with man's inner condition. False repentance deals with the symptoms. True repentance with the disease. Only true repentance, which puts no confidence in the flesh, leads to salvation. Very true. 
Pastor Charles Swindoll adds, God's gift of eternal life with Him is based on what He has done for us and not what we have done for Him. False teachers and their teachings try to add to salvation. But if you add anything, it's based on works, not grace. God provided the one and only way to heaven and it's through the Lord Jesus Christ. You can't be almost saved or nearly saved. You're saved or you're not saved. There's no writing the fence. God's Word presents the way of salvation and it's clear. No one comes to the Father but through who? Jesus Christ. It's humbling when you think about it to think we can be saved one way where our input, our works, our alternate way isn't considered. While a chaplain in the army, I had a sergeant tell me one time while sharing the gospel with him. <laughs> I'll never forget it. He said, chaplain, you're sure narrow. And I said, thank you. <laughs> there is one way. And we know that one way and it's through the Lord Jesus Christ and Him alone. So the five marks of a genuine believer include rejoicing in the Lord, discerning false teachings, worshiping in the Spirit, glorying in Jesus Christ, and humility. So we don't put our confidence in our own efforts, our own flesh. Because someday the Lord isn't going to say as we enter heaven's gates, give me your checklist. You know that? No checklist. No U-Hauls, no bragging, because it's all because of Jesus, all because of His grace. Are these marks true in our lives today? It's a short checklist, should be give us an idea whether a faith is genuine or not. I challenge all of us to look at ourselves, look into the mirror James talks about, and if we see that we're not in a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ and God is speaking to us, we need to make that decision. And if we are, but we come up short as we look at these marks and they're not true in our lives every day, say, God, work on my heart so my fruit is evident. Because the world desperately is crying out for an answer and we have it. Eternity is at stake. Our time here on this earth is short. Don't know how long we have, but God does. And the day He calls us home, our opportunities here on this earth are done. But today we still have that opportunity. Why? Because He woke us up this morning, didn't He? We have a purpose. Let's pray. Father God, I thank You so much for Your Word. I thank You for the reminders here from Paul that we challenge ourselves to Make sure we're rejoicing in You because You are the reason we have eternal life. There is no other way to heaven. Thank You for choosing us and saving us and keeping us. Every day is a precious gift. And we thank You, Lord, for everyone here this morning. You all give us opportunities to share the gospel. And in your timing, Lord, we want to do it because we know time is short. And we also want to be ready for that time when you call us home. Whether it's through death 
or whether it's the trumpet sound. Lord, we want to be ready. And in the meantime, Lord, give us your grace and mercy to share with those around us the gospel because that's for eternity. Thank you, Lord, for each one here. Bless our coming week that we would follow you and put our trust in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you all. Have a great week.